Leaving a Legacy is brought to you by hipstersofthecoast.com and can be found on the Top Deck app every Friday. You can support the show directly at patreon.com slash leaving a legacy. Magic is power. Welcome to another episode of Leaving a Legacy. My name is Patrick. I'm your legacy newbie. With me this week, as always, Mr. Jerry Me. What's up, Jerry? Bah humbug. But yeah, Jerry has been playing the... Uh, he's our, our boomer zoomer on the uh, call today. I like and how you're, you're the boomer of the podcast, but I'm the boomer <laughs> from the public point of view with all the groups. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, I'm less of a boomer than you, Jerry. I'm a man of the people, whereas you are a... Uh, a fat stacks banker hanging out, you know, living <laughs> living off the government, staying at home. You're like, I don't think I want to go back to work. Meanwhile, I haven't stopped working. I've actually been working. I'm still working. working I just don't want to go into the office. I don't want to go into the office. Yeah, well, some again. of us can't work from home, Jerry. Some of us don't have that luxury. Okay, and it is a luxury. Okay. Well, that's that's how I get to stay home and complain about companions all day. <laughs> Listen, I, I'm I'm spinning the wheels of social media entertainment, Pat. <laughs> I'm providing a service. Yeah, yep, it's it's a kind of service. Um, all right, before we get into our guest this week and our topic, uh, I just want to thank our two newest patrons, uh, Dominic Monfrey and Roland Chang. Roland, uh, actually. Uh, recent guest of ours but thank you guys so much for joining the patreon it really means a ton to us uh if you guys can help support us of course it's patreon.com slash leaving a legacy um all right let's get into our guest jerry why don't you introduce our guest this week he's our our voice of reason this week (laughs) welcome back to the cast master zach targaryen of the crown of thrones you know there's still facebook (laughs) there's there's still like facebook groups that have that listed as my name (laughs) thanks to you because it's your name first of his actual name (laughs) first of his name zach targaryen i I didn't realize zach was a latin king i see you rocking the white bandana it's quite stylish oh yeah because we can't get haircuts and uh this ain't gonna do i i as it is i already look like uh What's his face? Meatloaf from uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show. First so. of all, Meatloaf is awesome. <laughs> uh, I actually cut my own hair, and then I cut both my kids' hair like uh, two weeks ago. How's that working out? Uh, honestly, wearing a hoodie. Like, it came out. It came out pretty. Like it came out pretty good. It's not like a. It's not actually like a. I wanted to kind of fade the sides, but I just didn't have time, so I did like just a little longer on top, a little short on the sides. Don't let this. Don't let that fool you. That's just because like my hair is stupid. I have to get combed, but it actually came out pretty good. I gotta say, my kid's hair came out also pretty good. So laughs and yeah, shaved Jerry. Yeah, I was about to say, hey Jerry, you, you cutting your hair too? <laughs> Jerry's been forced by his poor genetics yeah. to shave his head. So <laughs> yeah, well that's the problem. Yeah. I, I couldn't if I tried. Yeah. <laughs> my head is like bumpy and has like horns and stuff. It's terrible. <laughs> I need the hair in the way. Yeah. Oh, I file my horns down every time I shave my head. It's part of the it's part smart, of you know the whole smart. setup. <laughs> Well, we have uh, – Zach is coming on again. Zach, you've been a frequent contributor to the podcast, uh, mainly because when Jerry and I are freaking out, when we're chicken-littling, the best we can chicken-little, you come on and you're the voice of reason. You're the one telling us that everything is not going to hell in a handbasket. The world is not on fire. Now, obviously, we are recording this podcast in a world that is actually on fire, but we in the magic world uh, also feel that our world is on fire inside a fire – uh, so it's a pretty interesting, uh, interesting dynamic there. But you're here to tell us that everything's going to be okay. And of course, 
We're talking about companions this week. We don't actually know that, Pat. We asked Zach to come on and see that, <laughs> that would be his position. Oh, what if I'm just worse than <laughs> He can just lay down a button. Yeah, yeah, he just comes down and he goes, What if he just grabs his webcam, starts shaking, and he's like, <laughs> Be scared. It's all coming to an end. I want you to go hug your child. <laughs> Wake him up. Go hug him. You, you guys were right in that uh, I am certainly less down on them than I've seen other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, there could certainly be problems with stuff, I think, moving forward, but I think people are looking at the data a little wrong and not quite remembering how the past has uh, influenced things. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, going to your year back, uh, I was on almost uh, almost exactly a year back, talking about how Narset, Teferi, and Karn would be role players in decks. Mm-hmm. Mm. Hey, look at it now. <laughs> hey, I played a Narset in my sideboard the other day. and Yeah, exactly. You played a Narset in your sideboard. Do you remember when people were playing four in their main yep, deck with yep, Days Undoing? I, do. I, I remember. I remember Teferi well, being like... To be fair... To be fair, that's because Wizards with every set comes out with something more and more broken every set. So, like, the <laughs> they, old broken becomes they, the they old were done. That doesn't mean the old broken was still fine. It just means we got <laughs> They were done before the next set. That, like, now the... Now the old broken isn't as good anymore. <laughs> I mean, Teferi's still like an egregious magic card. Karn's still an egregious magic uh, actually, card. Actually, <laughs> that is one of my points uh, in favor of Loris right now, is that it can't be the old broken and the new broken at the same time. Mm-hmm. Well, which is a really interesting dynamic. Well, let, before we get too deep into it, I kind of want to do sort of like a what do they call it? like a thousand you know yard? I don't I don't know what it's called. Like a, we're gonna. A, fi- a fifty thousand foot view yeah. is the uh, well. I've never been on an airplane because I don't have that kind of money, Jerry. So I don't really know what that's like. But this is the, yeah. uh, uh, you know, uh, this is the uh, the hundred foot view. My pri- my private coach seat. <laughs> this is the fifty thousand foot view <laughs> kind roller. of format. I, I wrote a few um, uh, thoughts down, and if you guys want to add on to it, please feel free. But I think just for some of our listeners, maybe who aren't on Moto, um, but they still want to follow the Legacy Meta game, um, you know, this is going to kind of give them sort of an idea of where the companions are playing roles in Legacy. Um, and uh, and if you are very familiar with the format, this will be mostly a, a refresher for you. But um, so just we kind of see, I would say like four main areas where we're seeing like these uh, these companions come in. Um, the the primary one is like the blue white X Delver decks um, that are using a singleton Luris in the sideboard, and we're seeing them play like cards like Mishra's Bobble and Lotus Petal to draw extra cards with some uh, mana ex- acceleration. Um, they're cutting things like Gurmag Angler, True Name Nemesis, uh, Oko to play within those the the confines that Luris kind of puts in your deck construction. There, um, we've also seen the uh, the Zerda card, the red white card, make its way into Bomberman, and it kind of fits into those shells pretty nicely. Uh, you know, Zerda is just the one that has the activated ability reduction. I think it you know reduces it by two mana. Um, <clears throat> so that's kind of cool. That deck, I think, is like the deck, like even beyond the Delver decks cutting True Name Nemesis, I feel the Zerda deck is the one where it's like, yeah, this literally just slots in. We needed to change exactly yeah, yeah. Well, no, they changed stuff with this deck. <laughs> it it changed stuff, but like looking at a, a Zerda deck now compared to a Bomber deck before, it's like, it's really not that. Uh, that they had to cut their best card. Chalice of the Void. Uh, yeah, but. W- w- I mean, was that really the I, best card? It, I think though? it's their like, best it's, card. Like, in I feel this if they're well, we'll get into this. We'll get into this because I think Chalice of the Void. 
I feel there's two different decks. Like, yeah, there was the prison version that was running like Chalice of the Void in 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 Trinisphere, and then I feel there was the other version that just kind of went balls to your face. Like it was just it was just like machine gunning, walking ballistas, and things like that. Yeah, it certainly yeah. always was yeah. an option. But yeah, back to your daily. Yeah. Yeah, so um, so we saw the Zerta Bomberman. Um, the the kind of the new, well, one of the newer decks that's come out of this, and I and so and correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't remember there being much of a clone deck in Legacy before this. Uh, it's, <laughs> it was in the background somewhere. It, no, <laughs> uh, the Jiruta clone deck, um, and it, even though the, so this wasn't present in the first week uh, of Leg of of uh, Moto because the card itself, I guess, was bugged. I don't know what the particulars were, but it was just banned from being online. So it was banned because it actually was better than it was programmed yep. to be. Okay, that seems like even <laughs> like a bigger problem. But um, it was it was it get it, it was getting stopped by Later Line of the Void and Rest in Peace, and it actually shouldn't be stopped by Later Line of the Rest Later Line of the Void and Rest in Peace because for some reason that's a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> so so Garuda clone. Uh, so yeah, so we didn't see it in the first week, but it's it's playing with a lot of fast mana. It's got LEDs, uh, Chrome Mox, Lotus Petal. Grim Monolith and lots of like clone effects. So we saw like the new Spark Double, Phantasmal Image, uh, Dax Duplicate, Phyrexian Metamorph, Sakashima, all, all kinds of stuff. Uh, and it's running three main deck Garuda and then one sideboard Garuda as the uh, as its companion. And basically, it's just going to flood the board with creatures. Or you can, I guess, you can technically mill out your opponent. Or that is maybe a game plan in there. I haven't seen it. You know, I haven't seen it, people really doing it, but I guess it's possible. Um, so that's an interesting deck. <clears throat> and then we've also seen, and this is one that actually Zach brought to my attention because I completely kind of went right over this because I called it like a death and taxes list, but you said you have to be pretty, pretty high to think of it as, as death and taxes list. It's like a mono white Luris <laughs> deck. It's running like Mox Amber and Lotus Petals. And I remember having a lot of, um, legendary white creatures, but do you want to elaborate on that, Zach, a little oh, bit? Oh, um, so it, it won the Saturday challenge, uh, on, mm-hmm magic online and i think it also had one or two place in the sunday challenge i forget uh but essentially okay. it's a white weenie aggro deck and almost in the purest of its forms it doesn't have all like the fancy tricks and stuff like that that uh death and taxes has kind of built its brand on and instead it's just it, it is very strange to see in legacy but it is basically a pure aggro deck it has some mana denial yeah. and a bunch of hard punching creatures and that's about it this has got to be a pretty inexpensive deck, too. I'm looking at like, it. It's just it, like... It has Isamaru Hound of Conda. Like, that's as fair as you can get. <laughs> uh, this is like... Uh, this is like White Weenie before Death Right. This, this is like, like where this the... This is like OG... Exactly. This, this is like Savannah Wines, Yeah, this is like the... Weenie. <laughs> what you were, like, eight years old on a playground, and there was a kid with a White Weenie deck. It's this deck. It's like, oh, what is it? I, I have all the, the one drops. <laughs> Oh, I guess Wasteland is definitely the most expensive card in this deck because everything else in here I think is pretty inexpensive. I'm looking at this at this whole thing. Uh, you could build this deck for four hundred and fifty dollars in yeah. paper. <laughs> in <Yeah>. paper, <laughs> so that might be our most affordable legacy deck. I mean, outside of Burn, I I think this is cheaper than Burn. <laughs> it, it may be at this that's, point. But yeah. Either way, it wild, is. Uh, so. If it ends up being a long term thing, it's cool that their legacies get into like a nice new entry point. Totally, absolutely. So, um, so those are kind of the four decks that that, like I said, that are we're seeing really use these companions to their advantage. Um, and so, I guess out of the first challenge, I kind of went into this one, and I saw that twelve of the top sixteen had a companion, eleven of those which was Lurus. So, seeing a lot of Delver decks in the mix, and 
you know, generally the first week of a format, you're going to see a lot of people playing with with new toys. And and how much do we think that that first week was just people playing with new cards versus them recognizing how powerful Lurus was in the format? Um, I think it's kind of both. Obviously, mm. I believe it's people still playing with new toys to some degree. Like I've I've seen sure. it. Yeah, I mean, we're only what two two and a half weeks in at this point, right? right? Like I, I've seen it in stuff like Doomsday, and every time I play against like actual Doomsday, like the ones with Teferi and stuff that match up, it's like, oh man, they have all these cards that do a lot of things. And now it's like, oh, we're gonna play this Luris, and their deck looks really bad. So mm-hmm. I think some people are definitely overstepping their bounds, and they're just trying out new things. Mm. But no, that the, the cards are real. That's that's a hundred percent true. Uh, it's just to what yeah. degree. I think people trying out the new cards was present in the fact that people registered these decks. I think the power level of these cards is represented by the fact that it makes up like 50% of the top 32 and 90% of the top eight. Well, uh, I will say, because that's one thing I wanted to bring up, those numbers are fairly representative of what I've been playing at as a whole. Yeah, that's me too. Like, so I've played two legacy leagues since Loris, since companions came out and that's pretty much all I could stomach. Um, so my data set is not particularly deep, but from what I've been hearing is like, that is how the just meta is in, in general is looking like right now. <laughs> right. But that also means that, uh, saying that, oh, it's, you know, uh, whatever 70% of the top 32 or whatever. Well, if it's 70% of all the decks, then it should be 70% of the top 32. It's right. not, it's oh, not yeah, actually succeeding yeah. at a greater rate than it is uh, represented at. True. Well, slightly because I mean, while it, it there are higher concentrations of it in the top eight and top sixteen than in the top thirty-two. Like the lower down in the rankings you get, the lower amount of companions are, and I feel that is just evident of companions pushing out all the other decks out of the format. So I've played about a hundred matches uh, in this format so far, and they were all in this past week. And the round, roughly around the seventy percent number, is just what I've seen across all of them regardless yeah. of where I was at in a tournament or in a mm-hmm. top eight or in, uh, you know, going for five Oh or something like that. It's yeah. which is very close to the, the raw data we've seen from the, like the premier events, which is like having a companion in about 67.97% of, of deaths. Right. right? So, so if you're seeing 70%, yeah. So I, I see what you're saying. Like you're saying like companions aren't necessarily pushing these decks to the top. They're there's just, just a very, there's a become, ton of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Is that something that, like, you know, gets a little bit old where, like, every game you're seeing someone reveal uh, a companion, like, as a pregame effect? I think this is where me and Jerry are differing the most. Because uh, he said he mm-hmm. can only stomach, like, two leagues of it of just seeing Luris, 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 or Garuda, or whatever. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I kept track of, because I knew I was doing this, and I was like, oh, well, I want to have some data point, because I didn't realize that other people would also be keeping track of things. I went through, and... These are the archetypes I faced in those hundred matches. I obviously I'm not going to name literally numbers of each, but uh, blue green Omnitel, uh, no red Snowco, no red Loam, no blue Loam, Grixis Delver, Rug Delver, Four Color Delver, Bug Delver, Jeskai Delver, Bug Zenith, Blue Red Delver, Ant Tess, Colorless Eldrazi, White Eldrazi, Bomberman, Painter, Sneak and Show Elves, Doomsday, Death and Taxes, the White Weenie Deck, Maverick Dredge, Miracles. Uh, Turbo Depths, Esper Vile, Moon Stompy, Hogak, Garuda Combo, and Burn. And wow. yes, a lot of those card decks do use Luris, but I just listed off a solid 30 decks right there that mm-hmm. are what I would call at least distinct archetypes. 
so it's a very weird situation where um like you said with like the old um airplane stare where we're up in the air looking at everything without getting ourselves involved mm-hmm. in it it actually looks good uh once you get down a lot of people's nostalgia for things are like oh i why do i have to run this and i th- i think a lot of that's creeping into people right now where sure we've spent our time training ourselves to be like oh brainstorm is a tool that a lot of decks use or Chalice of the Void is a deck that uh, certain type of decks use, or Ancient Tomb is a deck that big mana decks use. I think what we need to... If we look at it from far enough back, we'll start going, oh, these companions are decks that multiple different types of decks use, so they're not... like There isn't a Lurus archetype. Like sure. Storm and well, Dover so, yeah. so and White Weenie, we... they're all very different to me. So, so that, I feel, is the actual just root of the problem right there. So I was talking to Dave Long about this on Twitter, is that... It feels like if you're not running a companion, you are doing it wrong. Like he, this all started because he said, whenever my opponent doesn't reveal Luris or another companion, I feel like my opponent just mold to five. And that's what it feels like not running a companion. It's like, it's not that these companions in themselves are like overly busted and backbreaking on their own. It's just they provide such an inherent advantage that if you don't play them, it's wrong. And that just feels very bad. Like even brainstorm, like could be the closest that you get to that. Where if you don't play it, you're doing it wrong. And even so, there's plenty of other options and choices without it. Like this feels above and beyond that. Um, what I will say to that is that I, on the weekend, uh, ended up with just under a seventy percent win rate in those hundred uh, matches, and I didn't put down a companion once. Yeah, but you're playing mono, mono Red Prison, right? Right. What I'm saying is there are other options. The things like Luris are a tool that certain decks can use, and they have to pay for it in some way. Because those people didn't have Okos. They didn't have True Name Nemesis. They didn't have cards where they could previously try to go through bad matchups. And I know this is, a like again, it's a very big point of view, as opposed to the small point of view where like we actually sit, that... I think if you were to restart the format today and erase everyone's memories about what like the past was and just keep everyone's skill set, we would see these cards more akin to powerful cards in the format than things invading the format. And mm. I think a lot of people's uh, first issues with them is they feel like they are invasive. Yeah. Because inherently you see them all the time. I... I- I can totally see that being a, a reasonable argument. I, I'm from both ways from what you're saying. Um, that part of what draws, I mean, part of what drew me to Legacy is the consistency, the, um, yeah, like the, the the sameness of the format from from year to year. And certainly since War of the Spark with Modern Horizons, we've seen lots and lots of shakeup, lots and lots of cards coming into the format. We've seen more bands too than I've can remember in the in recent past um so it's been interesting because it's really given the format this artificial it, it it's it's sped up the format in an artificial way i think um you know it's not necessarily just being driven by innovation now it's it's all these really uh high-powered cards trying to be forced into these into different decks and uh yeah that's been that's been pretty interesting Jer- jerry what's your what's your thought on that yeah i mean i can i can totally see that i feel it's it's both that it does feel like 
we're taking the pillars of the format and wizards is trying to like wedge in a fourth extra pillar. Sure. You know, it's someone's ta- someone's taking my three legged stool and making it a four legged stool. It's like, well, I kind of liked my three legged stool before it was. <laughs> and I do also agree with that Pat where I think also companions might be taking a bit more heat than under normal circumstances, because this definitely feels like the focal point of about uh, 18 months of just what feels like really bad decisions on Watsi's part. Mm-hmm. And it, it definitely feels like uh, it's just kind of coming to a head. And this is more, it's not so much that this itself is a burden as much as it's the straw that broke the camel's back. Sure. Mm-hmm. I, I can understand that. And again, a lot of that comes from us as players and how we feel about things. And I, I'm in that yeah. same boat. Everyone is, you know, you see all these new things showing up and you're like, why can't they just be what I was doing? I liked what I was doing. Um, but at the same time, I, again, I'm, I keep looking at the list of decks I played and I went, man, if I could play against all these decks every weekend, I would like all my games were fun. And I understand mm-hmm. the idea that like, oh, it feels like you're mulliganing down to five. But like, if you look at one of those challenges, one of the decks that won was a rugged over deck, no companion, no Luris. They just beat people right. up because their cards were physically better which is a trade-off that you mm-hmm. actually have to do when you get rid of Luris. Yeah. And I and like that's not to say that this is like Flash Hulk where it's 100%. Oh yeah, it's nowhere near that I mean, stuff. <laughs> you you were right. Um but I but I do think it's almost as close as we've gotten to Flash Hulk since then. Like I can't think of a more you know, homogenized format as far as like choices that you had to play. Like when el- when else has there been I guess like since Mental Misstep like probably since mental misstep is probably the last time things have been this bad as far as like a card where you every deck has to play it. Um, then why is brainstorm see more play than Luris? Well, because like we going back to the pillar of the format discussion, it's brainstorms a pillar of the format. Right, and what I'm saying is, if we look back at it, I think that if we just straight up accept that Luris is a tool that many decks can use rather than just an archetype then I think we look at it very differently. Hmm. Yeah, but I also think that the biggest can like point with a format like Legacy is the player's enjoyment. Because it is such a player-driven format and community-supported format, if people aren't enjoying it, it's not going to continue. Like You need people to actually be having fun, and it definitely feels like a lot of people are not having fun right now. Um. I also think a lot of that is very much based in the fact that the world we live in, like outside of Magic right now, uh, mm-hmm. in that a lot of Legacy players play Paper Legacy. They don't play Magic Online. They don't play like uh, over cameras with people. A lot of people go to their stores. So they don't have these first-hand experiences that have been have happened yet. Like you said, you've, you own a Legacy podcast you play legacy all the t- you play you've played 10 matches because you just haven't been out to stores and you played something mm-hmm. you saw Luris 8 out of 10 times or whatever and you're like yeah I'm done with this hands in the air and that's not necessarily a bad thing it's just a thing that I think a lot more people are doing right now than actually playing it cuz I started out that way too I was like oh man I keep seeing Luris I keep seeing Luris I keep seeing all these companions coming in but then as I was playing the matches I was like well this deck is different than this deck, even if they're both Luris decks. I mm-hmm. I, I wasn't mm-hmm. sitting there... Like, if I take my experience from before and go, oh man, I keep seeing Ponder, and then I'm ignoring the fact that one of those is a control deck, and one of them is a combo deck, and one of them is a tempo deck, 
then, yeah, of course I'm going to look at it and be like, ponder's a problem. But realistically, mm-hmm. I'm going, hey, I'm facing these different archetypes that exist and use do different things. So once I started looking at it in that end and being like, oh, and, and what actually happened was someone played a Luris and I was like, oh, another stupid Delver matchup, and they start, started playing mm-hmm. Doomsday on me. And I went, oh yeah, I guess you could do this and this. And then I'm like, well, why isn't everyone doing it? And then I thought about it, I was like, oh, they're giving up to Fairy and they're giving up Street Wraith. Which are big, like in, mm-hmm. uh, involved in their like combo turns and stuff. So I was like, "Oh, they actually have to do this." So it's a thing they can do. But then I was like, "Oh, wait, this is just a tool. It's just a tool that is re- revealed ahead of time, so you always feel like you right. see it." That's a really good point, mm-hmm. right? Because these cards, like uh, outside of outside of Garuda, like these cards are all essentially one ofs in the sideboard, right? That's what we've where we've seen all these companions be. Um, yeah, but that's mostly on the even end of Garuda's Luris. too. No, no, Garuda's in the deck as well because you can actually do it. Yeah, oh, is yeah. it? Oh. Yeah, there's three main deck Garudas and then one of this because that that is like the that is the engine for the deck is Garuda. Yeah, oh, if yeah, Garuda so hits Garuda, you just drop. take it and you keep going. For for those at home, right. I'll describe right. how this goes because this is a very weird type of deck. Um, I've compared it mostly to it's like a version of Beltra almost. Yeah, totally. Uh, honestly, that's the deck that I'm the most fine with because it just it just. <laughs> oh yeah, it's it's, it's like all right, <laughs> it's just a combo deck. We've we've all seen oops all spells and Belcher. It's just another variation. Yeah, on it's that. it's. Uh, yeah, like I and and it's like a little bit more protected, which I think is fine because honestly, Belcher and oops all spells are probably overexposed and aren't realistically playable. And this might actually be a po- like realistically playable fun meme deck. Right, and on top mm. of that, I think people are already starting to realize what they can do against it, which. I, I had that discussion in week one. Everyone was like, oh my god, I got killed. They played LED, or they played um, Cavern of Souls, LED, LED, and they played the Garuda, and I couldn't possibly win with my Force of Will. And I was like, why didn't you Force of Will the LED? And they're like, I'm an idiot. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's yeah, playing the deck like, doesn't act yeah, like, yeah, it kind of gets around <laughs> some things some days, but you're like, eh. Once you realize the, where, what actually matters, you're like, oh, it, it's just slightly better Belcher. <laughs> right. Everyone, everyone's conditioned to force of will the infernal tu- infernal tutor, not the LED. So they right. always let the LEDs resolve. right. And so it, it's a very different world that we live in, where everyone's doesn't have the reps under their belt, but we're forced to live in a world where it exists, which is something that's completely yeah. new. So everyone's just secondhand so, knowledge on secondhand knowledge on secondhand knowledge right now, or a lot of people are, I should say. So uh, I, I just wanted to shout out uh, Yuhi uh, Yuhi. Uh, Aniel, who had uh, posted some of that that data that we have referred to earlier, but I kind of wanted to ask you guys a little bit about the design of the companions. And this isn't like a design, uh, like an R and D podcast, but sure. it's something that I've been sort of been interested in. So we saw this this article from Morrow um, that was posted back in 2015 that basically said something like something akin to we had tried this concept before. I don't know if you read this article, Zach, but they had tried this concept before, and through testing, realized that like, oh, like you know. Variance is what makes what makes magic itself really, really good, and removing variance from the game uh, makes it less fun. Um, and we saw things like the London Mulligan sort of kind of pick away at that, right? Like about uh, uh, you know the var- first with the Paris Mulligan, then with the London Mulligan, start to uh, decrease variance in the game. Um, but but going back to like these companions, like do we think that like people having access to this eighth card? That's not thought seizable. That's not interactable until they put it on the stack. You know, is that something that that we want in the game? Um, myself, I think the bigger issue with those cards isn't the like um, the design of those cards. I think okay. like if we look at the way standards 
shown up right now where, you know, that's where the cards were air quotes designed for. That's where they do all their testing. Mm-hmm. Um, all of them, to some degree, are seeing some amount of play, some more than others. And things are waning back and forth. Like, people realize... Mm-hmm. Uh, because it was so good in all the other formats, everyone was like, man, Luris is insane here. And it turns out Luris is fine. And uh, he kind of got overplayed week one, and turns out other things are better. So mm-hmm. I don't think necessarily the design of these cards in like the fact that they reduce variance and the fact that they put these rules on the game is bad. I think the issue comes when something like Legacy or older formats where you don't need to jump through the hoops as much because mm-hmm. there's such a large card pool and in particular to Luris, which is of course the issue here is the the that, rule almost the say, rule that, almost doesn't apply because there were already people yeah. who were doing it. His deck restriction is like laughable in legacy right. vintage, right? Exactly. Yeah. The the further you go back, the lower cards cost, so inherently he's mm-hmm. better. Meanwhile, I'm right. willing to bet if you looked at um uh what's his name? The the Hippo Dino the blue green one. Oh yeah, the the it's the Simic one. I can't remember his name, but yeah, I know what you're talking about. Um, That's the one most popular. In standard. He's more popular in standard right now because he's being played in like the fire decks and stuff. But he's seeing no play further back because all the cards are. He he wants you to play expensive cards. So uh, Kar- Karuga, Karuga, that's it. Um, the macro sage. Yeah. So you have these cards that are designed for one format that have to be used in all the formats. And obviously Mm -hmm. there's some wiggle room within those cards, but as far as like the further you go back, then the lower the curve is naturally, the better some of them get. Meanwhile, if you were to make a format and say um, like block or something like that, like even smaller than standard, my guess is Karuga's numbers would go even more up because people don't have the low options anymore. So, just turns into who can fit the most haymakers. Exactly. In <laughs> so we're in this situation in Legacy, as far as Legacy is concerned, where it's who can fit the most haymakers in your deck. Also, for some reason, throughout all of Magic's history, there's enough haymakers to fit in that cost two or less. Which is <laughs> right. You would normally only have one or two cards like that in a block, but throughout all the blocks, they add up, and you're like, oh yeah, something like LED, which obviously that card wasn't meant to be used with these. Like, that's just... It it breaks all the rules with them. But it's a card that was printed 20 years ago, and they don't care about those. Like, that's not what they're designing for. If they tried to do that, every single card would be a 6-mana 4-4 with no text. Like, they do have to push the envelope somewhere. It just happens that this time around, in specific to Luris, but Companion in general does tend to work better when you have a larger pool to draw from. Well, Which I think makes, I that think, makes sense. I think that's the problem, though, is that they've been pushing the envelope nonstop since 2019. Like, I feel we need them to take their foot off the gas, not put more weight into it like they've been doing. So, I think, in particular to Companions, this is... I know this is going to sound very weird, and I'm going to need to explain it. <laughs> I think the Companions is are them taking their foot off the gas. I, hmm. I do. I can see where you're going with this, and I do agree. I feel like they tr- were trying to make Ikoria like a Kamigawa compared to Mirrodin, where they're just like trying to ease off, and I think they just messed up. So if you look at things like... Um, uh, well, basically, a lot of the cards in the set are really cool. I'll, I'll just say that straight out. I've been pl- it's it's a very it's a very flavor driven set, yeah. and typically flavor driven sets are lower power uh, sets. But as far as like companions go, because again, that's what we're discussing at the moment. 
Um, companions have this really kind of cool aspect to them in that inherently they say you can't play them with certain other cards. Mm-hmm. So because of that, you can push the power level on them without making everything soup. Because let's just say... Um, Again, I'm going to keep harping on Loris because it's the card that legacy players know. I mean, that's that's the one that, like, if there was one that people were like, one companion needs to go. I can see, and I'm not saying this is how I feel, but I can see people making the case that Loris is, like, all the other ones seem to fit fine in our role player, Zach, like you said. But they don't, well, I don't think any of them push the deck to being something that more than it should be. I think it's without question that Loris needs to be banned. I think the debate is whether the mechanic as a whole should be banned, which is where a yeah, lot of people started off at. Again, I don't actually think Loris needs to be banned. I think he's doing something good. Oh, yeah. man. I don't I don't either. I think he's doing something honestly, good. Like, I, yeah. I, I honestly so, don't just, see myself playing Magic with Loris. Let's just talk about like, what Loris is. It's that miserable to play. Is let's it? talk about what Loris is, though. Like, it is. Know. So my on, biggest on, problem, my biggest problem, is it's the continuation of the trend that we've been seeing, where Wizards is re- um, removing no, good. We're variants. not talking about games, like, though. Are the games bad to play? Yes. Why they're bad to play? Because it's you just have this specter hanging over your head. You know that this is exactly what they're going to do. There's no mystery. And yes, like you can get cheesed in the same way that you could play a Snowlands before, even though you didn't run Astrolabes. Yes, there's the cheesing at but it's just like it, it's it's not there. It, I've talked to multiple people who feel the same way, and it just feels like the light has gone out a little bit. It just it. It's hard to put into words. It's just not something enjoyable. It's not something I want to spend my time doing. Right, but then I kind of have to ask this in, like, you can't explain why. You can't say why. Is the issue the cards? Or is it the issue the world at the moment? Is the issue all the things piling up? Because I think a lot of that's coming in. Because, again, I went in with the same attitude that you were, and I was like, crap, I think these cards are busted. And then I played all weekend, and I had fun all weekend, because once I realized that all the decks were still different, that, yeah, there was a Luris. And frankly, in a lot of those situations, a lot of cool interactions happened, where I, at one point, was like, oh, I can kill this Delver, I should kill this Delver. But then I thought about it, and they obviously had a Luris sitting there, they had two cards left in their hand, I had to figure out another way to do things. And yes, maybe that's an uphill climb, but it's going, hey, this is different than before when it's just, oh, I killed, mm. point and click, I killed the threat. So I had to figure out a different way to go about it, and instead I was like, I can race this instead of killing it. So I played the Bone Crusher Giant instead of doing the stomp, and then I ended up racing them down because I had the second stomp in my hand, immediately killed the Luris, and ended up killing them with two life left, where before I just would have killed it and then maybe lose that game. It was just an interesting aspect to the game where we can say, yeah, it adds, it, it reduces the variance, it does this and that, but the actual gameplay has been pretty good to me. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting because these cards do add um, some, this new mechanic does add some interesting, like, sub-games in, in the games you're playing is what you're saying, right? Like, it adds some complexity to an already pretty complex format. I think it it adds complexity at the cost of variance, there's no argument there. Mm-hmm. Um but I think one of the other things is it adds like deck building restrictions and yeah. that again in legacy, they're less, but they're still there where I knew I wasn't having a true name nemesis played against me. Meanwhile, someone played a Bant Urian deck and their deck was 80 cards. And I was like, Oh man, they played a, a coiling Oracle. I was like, that's cool. Coiling Oracle. Cause they just needed to fill out 20 extra cards in their deck. And yeah, maybe these things do will it get old, in three months 
But what I'm saying is, to me, I think going in and not actually putting in the time is not good right now because so many people are relying on secondhand knowledge because people just aren't playing. So I think we're getting a lot more of an echo chamber than we normally do because I keep looking at the list. Like, look at those top 32s. Look at those challenges. There's a lot of different archetypes in them. Listen, I'm I'm happy to go back and play some more leagues in a month if for some miraculous reason Luris isn't banned a month from now, but I'm not a fan of the idea of I, I just shot myself in the leg. I should shoot myself in the leg five more times to see if I really didn't like it. Like the experience that I had playing the 10 matches I did was enough that like, I honestly just don't want to play it for any foreseeable time. Like it's, it's just, it's just not like I, I would rather have been working than playing those leagues is how I felt while I was playing that. Um, so one thing I wanted to talk about is like what Luris actually does. So you're seeing a lot of Luris in your games, Jerry, but like Luris in and of itself doesn't seem like that much more powerful a card than say uh Dreadhorde Arcanist, right? Like it's a three it mana, it's a three mana three two lifelink that lets you flashback uh um It's honestly not spell. that good. What's that? <laughs> it's just it's it's honestly not that good. Right. It's just it's just such pure value, it muscles out any other value engine you can think of, unless it's like some obscene value engine, like, I don't know, like Punishing Fire. And even then, it's probably, it's still probably better than that. Punishing Fire is not, has not been good for a long time, though. I, I can't, I can't. I, I was just trying to think of like sure. I was just trying to think of like some just like pure value engine that got played just purely for its value nature, which I feel Punishing Fire is the epitome of that. But that it just Luris just feels like it's it's a uh, you know engine in a can. It's a it's a one card card advantage. Yeah, I mean, so the the other thing I want to talk well, it's and it's also not like these are four ofs in a deck either. It's like they have the one copy they can cast from their side. So- it doesn't it doesn't matter though. The fact that it can always be the only reason why having four copies in your deck is is important is so you draw it when you need mm-hmm. it. This is always available when you need right. it. Right. Right. Well, you say when, but but I I feel like that there could be an argument to this. That maybe maybe Luris like on turn three isn't what the deck is always going to have to be doing. Like if you're playing against Negan Show, a, a turn three Luris might not be what you need. It doesn't matter, but it's the same thing as with Commander. Like the fact that it, Commander is in your command zone makes it so much easier. Like you can keep hands that you would have to throw back without it because you know you always have a three drop there that you can resolve. Like mm-hmm. you always have that. And that's that's what makes Companion as a mechanic so inherently powerful is it's that eighth card that's always there. That's always a spell that you can cast. Mm-hmm. It's not a dead land draw off the top or anything like right. that. It's always a spell that you can always access. And until you decide to access that, your opponent can't interact with it at right. all. It's an accrual of resources is essentially what they are. They're, they You trade um, deck building ability for an accrual of resources. That is how all the companions work in some regard. So do you think that these cards would be more reasonable if they were not hybrid mana? If they were like, if Luris was one black black or one white white? No, the mana cost, like these things need to not, like they should, every single one of these should have had if you reveal this companion, your maximum maximum hand size is is six. Hmm. Like if you drew an opening hand of six and you had a companion, I think I would be fine with them. I would say, you know what, that's fine. It sucks that it reduces variance that they're always available, but I would be happy if they weren't just a pure value inclusion just hmm. for playing them in the deck. Yeah, that's not unreasonable. 
but uh, again, the cards have already been printed. So right, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we, we've hit that point where it's just kind of, at least to me, you end up in the what could have been loop, where to me mm-hmm. it's more uh, looking forward and being like, okay, what should mm-hmm. we do? And as players, I don't have influence over them banning course, cards. Right. And I don't have influence over what they're going to do about that. So I can only control the things on my end, which is just trying to figure out how to best survive in this world as opposed to trying to create another world. That's their job. Yeah, and, and full disclosure for me, like I haven't played against a single game of these companions because the, the, only, the only magic I've played in the last two weeks has been paper magic. So companions were not part of those matches. So so I'm, I'm only speaking right. sort of on a, you know, like, a, like you said, a 50,000 foot level here, Jerry, where I, I fit, haven't played against them like Jerry has and, and certainly not as extensively as Zach has but to me like I I just think playing against a one of in, in my opponent's sideboard isn't nearly as bothersome to me as 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 it could be it's it's more than a one of mm. I will say that it, yeah it's not the card itself Pat it's hmm. it's what it represents and that's why I feel I have such a hard time explaining why I feel so miserable playing against these is because it's just such an intangible act as, uh, hmm. aspect of the game but once you know it's there, it's like it's all you can see. It's like, don't think about pink elephants. Now all you're right. thinking about is pink elephants. That's how I feel about companions. Hmm. Uh, did you feel that way when you ever cast a Gataxian probe, is my question? I was never really a big fan of Gataxian probe. How about either. a I, I mean, yeah, I think revealing the hand is, uh, ruins an aspect of the game. I think Thoughtseize is fine in the fact that like all I don't think all discards should be random like him to Torak and I think that's a specific niche that that discard should have but I do think Gitaxian Bro should have been banned and should have been banned earlier. Sure. I'm just like I do think I I do think games are better without that information. I'm just curious as to how you feel you feel about information from that hanging over you. Do you feel the same? Like I, I don't feel that way, so that's what I'm trying to gather here. Yeah, I mean it's it's hard to like get that emotion separated because it's like, oh, I see that my opponent has jack shit in hand, I win the game. This is a great feeling. I just won the game. But like from a more meta point of view is like, is this good gameplay? It's like, no, I probably had less of a fun game because I have a much more fun where it's just like, all right guys, guns on the table, let's see who got who has this, and then sometimes you lose, sometimes you win. Whereas with Gataxian Probe, it was play Gataxian Probe, oh, they don't have it. Here's all my stuff. I win the game. Like, I feel that is a much less enjoyable victory than, you know, sweating bullets, slowly revealing counter spells one after the other to mm-hmm. see who has more than the other. Sure. Um, what I would say to that is I, I know at least I, I don't never cast a lot of Gitaxian Pro, but I have cast a lot of Thoughtseize. And I don't normally look at that information that what I see, like what's left of their hand is hanging over me is more as I need to do something about this, and it is now open information. I need to make sure that they use that counterspell that I know about in a poor way. I need to... So, to me, companions do a very similar thing, where it seems like, to you, they um, act as a negative, where to me, they seem to act as a positive. Well, yeah. Well, I think it's also just because of the difference between it being, you know, reactive and proactive. With Thoughtseize... You are taking actions to look at your opponent's hand, take their best card, and now you get to make better decisions about how to reevaluate your game plan based on what you know now. With Loris, it's like almost before I even sit in my chair, my opponent reveals Loris and uh, says, okay, now you have to deal with this while I'm still shuffling up. Yeah, to like, me, that that's a leak, not a, a, that, that's a downside, not an upside to me. That, that's them going, hey, you know that I can cast this card and my deck doesn't have threes. So 
to me, it's a strategic mm. thing, where to you, it's an emotional thing. And I don't think either mm. of us are right in that regard. It just affects us in different ways. Yeah, mm, for sure. Because um, that's one of the things that I've had the most this weekend. Like, again, someone played Zerta. Is it Zerta? Whatever yeah, the fox yep. is. Uh, against me, yeah, and I was yeah. like, well, I guess they're Bomberman. And mm-hmm. that just let me keep mm-hmm. my hand. I, I looked at my hand and went, oh, I have a, a Chalice and a Rabble Master, and I just played a Chalice on Zero and a Rabble Master, and they died. Because turns out their deck needs Zeros. <laughs> Who'd have guessed? Right. Uh, but it was a, it was a bad <laughs> yeah. hand. But because they showed me the information, I was able to keep it. Do, do we think that like a card like Luris is going to endanger a card like LED? That because that was one thing that like uh, um, so, someone mentioned that Wizards doesn't ban reserveless cards, which I feel is true. Like I can't think of the last time a reserveless card was ever banned. Yeah, they try um, not to. But I don't. That's probably true. Yeah, um, I will say that I do believe it is more LED's fault in this mm. case. And that we've just kind of agreed that LED is a thing that we allow mm-hmm. to exist. Where realistically, up to yeah. this point, its power level is kind of over where everything else is. Or not everything else. Uh, there's about 10 cards in Legacy, which, again, like you said, they kind of form mm-hmm. the pillars. And LED is definitely mm-hmm. one of the pillars. Whenever someone's like, oh, I should buy into Legacy, you're like, well, what do you want to do? And it's like, I want to do combo. We'll pick up LEDs because you can use them in this. And then you can transfer to this. And you can transfer to this. Because it's just a powerful card that's in a lot of combo decks. So... It's interesting. What's, what's wild to me is that we're talking about, and, and this is sort of a, this just came to my mind, but we're talking about the companion cards that, you know, we're debating whether or not they are egregious in the format. Meanwhile, like, we're, we still haven't really figured out Astrolabe's place and if it deserves to be in the format, what that causes decks to do. And and by the <laughs> Honestly, way, that, my that, personal, that's the like, best the, thing. That causes me more hell than anything else, which is Uro, which a card I hate that card. <laughs> That that's the best thing you can say about companions is that no one's complaining <laughs> right, about Oko and right. Astrolabe yeah. anymore. Well, like that's the best thing you can say about it. That's kind of what I was trying to say <laughs> yeah. earlier, where you kinda gotta make a choice yeah. now. Do you play Luris or do you play right. an Oko? Do you play um what's uh Urian? And you're like, Oh, I can play it all, but I have to play eighty right. cards. <laughs> it, like, it's kinda there, there's like, because yeah, it, so what's kind of neat and maybe we should give Wizards credit for that. I mean, maybe we should or should I don't know, but Maybe Luris. I mean, if if you're playing against seventy percent of the decks you're playing against are Luris decks, you know that seventy percent of the decks you're playing against aren't running Jace to Mind Sculptor, or to a greater extent, aren't running Oko, right? Like they're not going to have that yeah, in those decks. A, that's what I was trying to say about like standard and kind of mm-hmm. moving back to Legacy. But in Legacy, things tend to be a little bit easier because things are cheaper. Um, like in standard right now, there's a red black sacrifice mm-hmm. deck. Uh, it can play Luris, which means they need to give up all like the threes drops, and their best card used to cost three. Or they can play Obosh, which means they need to give up all their zeros, twos, mm-hmm. and fours, uh, and have like a different style deck that has like gaps in their gameplay. Or the deck still exists where you just don't play either, and you get all the stuff, but you don't mm-hmm. have a companion. And that's why I think these cards were actually a good thing. But as you go further back, it becomes easier to get in the guidelines, so then there's less decks without them. Though, again, we did kind of see it if we look at Delver as a macro archetype, where it's like, oh, we have these people 
playing with Luris, and then there's this rug delver player who's like, no, I'll, I'll play right. hooting mandrels and beat the <laughs> yeah. crap out of you, because it turns out, how the hell does your Luris deck beat a 4-4 mm-hmm. four trample? Mm-hmm. Turns out they don't. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I still think, though, we should take a page from the EDH Why? Uh, player's book. Why would you ever take the any... Otter- Ugh. You're the one. Oh, hold on, before Mister, I no. want Commander and Legacy <laughs> over here. <laughs> You're the I'm one for, champion. I'm, the I'm hardly championing the like campaigns. the the ed the the EDH community uh, like banned the Otter before the set even came Lutri. out because the Otters. Lutri. Yeah, because his deck building restriction was already the game rule of EDH. I feel the same way about Luris and Legacy. Like Luris's restriction was such a low bar. It was basically uh Legacy's requirement but, anyways, barring a few cards of course. I just feel like just based on that, like it doesn't have enough of restriction. It just needs to go because of that. Uh I that is my least favorite aspect of that card. That's certainly it. Is that in Legacy and older formats, it has less of a restriction than the format it was intended for. Uh, again, that said, I've still enjoyed the games I've played with it. And I've always been on the other side, so it's not like I'm abusing its power here. Uh, I don't think the gameplay themselves has actually been bad. And yes, I do agree on Luris that, in particular, that you can skirt the rules a bit more than you should be able to. So let's let's get into uh, one of the things I think that, that you've kind of championed, Zach, when, when cards like these have come around, is you like to talk about solutions for these cards, right? And and definitely sure. a deck that you play that seems like it has a great solution for especially for the Luris deck is a Chalice deck, right? Like if you know that your opponent is only going to be playing zeros, ones, and twos, a Chalice deck seems like a great place to be right now. Uh, yeah. So there are certainly some solutions and some things I've seen some talk on Twitter about particular like card choices. I think you guys talked last week of, about JPA, um, like playing mm-hmm. Meddling Mage uh, and Lavinia. Oh, I didn't think about uh, that. That's yeah. another one yeah. that. Yeah, because you can't right. play zeros, so you can't play your baubles again. You can't play yep. your um, mm-hmm. LEDs and stuff like that if Lavinia is in play. You also can't play Garuda unless you have 12 lands in play. Or, mm-hmm. sorry, 6 lands in play. Uh, there's a new card from this set that says you can only cast cards from your hand. So you can't even mm-hmm. cast your companions if that guy's in play. It's like a 1-3 for white. It's a something magistrate. Mm-hmm. I forget what it's called. Um, but in general, I think that Attacking the individual cards is a reasonable way to go, but attacking archetypes is the better way to go right now. And if everyone's playing things like Luris, where inherently Luris's entire design is just to be a resource factory, all he does is he buys you cheap little resources over and over again. He keeps accruing you advantage, piling up cards, piling up cards. If you just play decks that don't care about cards, then you tend to run them over and We've seen that in other formats. We've started to see that in some of Legacy. Um, I think there was a modern event where, out of nowhere, um, ad, not ad nauseum, well, ad nauseum, yeah. The, the, the modern version of ad nauseum, the Angel's Grace ad nauseum combo, that thing, that showed up and just kicked everyone's head off week one because everyone was like, I'm going to play my grindy value game. And they're like, yeah, take a thousand. <laughs> and you're just like, yeah, it doesn't matter. So I, I think approaching archetypes is probably the best way to be going mm-hmm. right now and looking at things like okay if everyone's going to be grindy i want to be big if everyone's going to be big i want to be fast if everyone's going to be fast i want to be gr- trying to set yourself up in the right place each week seems more important now in legacy than it ever has hmm. before interesting 
And yeah, there's certainly individual cards, like you said, Chalice, uh, and for that matter, the fact that um, all of the like Luris decks, or most of the Luris decks, don't play basics means that a card like Blood Moon is back to being good again. Uh, that is, until you run into the 80-card Urian <laughs> deck, who's definitely running a bunch of right. Snow Basics and a bunch of uh, Astrolabes, but, y- you know, everyone's got yep. their weaknesses. Yep. Yeah, I think, um, you know, updating your sideboards... A card like Grafdigger's Cage is one of my favorite cards in my sideboard, and that seems like the stock in that in that has gone up a little yeah, bit here, that's, too. Yeah, that card seems better than it's ever yeah, been which right is now. Saying something, which, is, which, is, um, which is important, you know. Um, and... I, I know the other day I, I I was legitimately like do I do I put uh, sulfuric vortex in my board? I, does cage does cage stop Garuda too or so even though that's what blows my mind that even though rest in peace and leyline don't stop it cage does so uh, it's very <laughs> specific to the way the Garuda is worded. Gar- Garuda is worded that you exile the top four of each or sorry you bin you you put in the graveyard the top four of each. And then you choose a card that was revealed, it doesn't matter where it was, and then put that card into play, it doesn't matter where it currently is. What's <laughs> So that's why um, it gets around Leyline, because it doesn't say if that card is in your mm-hmm. graveyard, it just puts it into play. Uh, meanwhile, Grafdigger's Cage specifically says, hey, you can't come in from the graveyard, I don't care. <laughs> A weird thing is, if you have Grafdigger's Cage and Leyline, yes. it cancels out and starts wait, working on, wait, again. What? <laughs> right. So yeah, if you have exactly, if you have a Leyline and a Cage in play, it, it puts it in the exile zone, <laughs> and then it go and then the Grafdigger's Cage goes, "Hey, don't leave!" And it's like, "Sorry, buddy, I'm in the exile zone, not the graveyard. Yeah. You have no jurisdiction here. <laughs> That's hilarious. You have no power That's here. <laughs> so yeah, specifically cards." Removing them from the graveyard in response to Garuda doesn't work, but stopping them from coming hmm. in works. Hmm. So yeah, so and the other thing too, the other thing too is that uh, outside of Garuda, the only like, and I always think of things in terms of lightning bolts because that's you know one of my favorite cards to cast. And like all the companions died. <laughs> How bolt, tall are right? you? I'm three lightning <laughs> they bolts. All, tall. You know, outside of Garuda, they, I mean, the, as far as the relevant ones go, they all died a bolt too, which is which is worth saying. Oh yeah, they're they're all very easy right. to answer, but they they. They cost you resources. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. it's it's a zero for one. You know, you're trading your lightning bolt for a Garuda that was played from outside of the game, so you are going down a card to remove a threat on your opponent's side, and your opponent mm-hmm. has not expanded a card in order to uh, to get that threat into play. So, like, just over, like, even if you immediately kill it, it is still. Yeah, a I, I completely value. understand that. I get it. It it feel like I keep going back to like it starts. It feels so much, so many similarities to Planeswalkers, but it's almost as if like Renin Six and Oko were the first Planeswalkers to come out. Like that's how this feels like. We have a a, a huge shakeup, like genre defining new mechanic that's entering into the game that has this recurring resource effect that is, that's almost unfair in nature. Uh, and to ch- top it all off, that are also insanely powerful and lead to these decks uh, that are, that are getting mm-hmm. some pretty insane win rates. Um, so I will say in that regard, because I, I get it that, you know, it's all, it's always a one for zero, you know, that's how it works, but there's a lot of other one for zeros that have been hidden in magic that we've just been okay with. And this, yeah. this one's just in your face about it. Uh, yeah. Like again, I've been playing Bone Crusher Giant. I've stomped a lot of Delvers, and they didn't get to draw a card. But I had a four three sitting there mm. that I can play, and no one in their yeah. right mind is running around yelling Bone Crusher Giant's the devil. 
Uh, <laughs> so this one just yeah. happens to be very in people's faces about, like, hey, this is coming. What are you going to do about it? I, I can definitely see that. I do think a lot of the conversation about companions is very emotionally driven, but I also don't think that's necessarily, like, just because something's emotionally driven doesn't mean it's also not a problem. Right, and that I agree with. Uh, and that's kind of been my point about, I think when people actually get the time to sit down with their friends and play these cards and, you know, put in the time that everyone puts in normally, you know, at game stores and talking with people about it, I think, yes, specifically as far as Lurus goes, it may end up just being a problem because of the way the format's, like, shaped. But the idea of the companions, I think, is going to get better with time and not worse. Mm. Right now, everyone's kind of just in panic mode of like, what do I do about this? What do I do about this? And no one quite has enough reps under their belt to be like, oh, it, it's not that bad. Oh, we can do Are this. Are companions a way for wizards to push us all into the hellscape that is Commander? Because they, they make so much money no. off Commander. It's, their mo- it's the most lucrative no. I do think- like, arm of their business. So so we, it's not just that it's just I think it it this goes back to like what Rich was saying like it just really feel like this is why I have existential <laughs> dread about Wizards of the Coast right now is just that like the power creep just feels insane and Rich phrased it perfectly when he was on is that power creep is stealing from your future to get more profits mm. in the present and it just feels like if if Wizards continues on this trajectory they're just not going to like eventually they're just going to either start introducing dumber and dumber things that really do break the game in half uh, or they're just going to run out of gas and fall flat on their face. Yeah, and I can, I can see that argument to some degree. I certainly disagree with um, how like fundamentally traditionalist Rich is on a lot of his views on Rich? those things. Rich, no. Uh, <laughs> the man, the man said no. about car <laughs> but I, I understand where he's coming. No. <laughs> yeah, I understand where he's at least coming. Five, ten? <laughs> Uh, but what I will say, Rich is still upset about the modern card frame, let alone the uh, the hollow stamp. I, I would just like to point out: remember, there was a standard, you know, ten years ago at this point that had Stoneforge Mystic, Batter Skull, and Jace the Mind Sculptor in one mm-hmm. format. So, and now we and now we look back into those of the good old days. Yes, yeah, well, that, that's kind of what I'm saying is we we kind of forget that maybe this isn't power creep, and maybe we've just adjusted. Mm. Maybe we look at back and be like, oh, man, remember those good old days when all these terrible things would happen to us? Because that's just how nostalgia works. <laughs> that sounds works. like my childhood. Like, <laughs> that's true. Yeah, exactly. That's like, true. Realistically, if we look back, we're like, hey, remember when the best card printed was Jace the Mind Sculptor, and they played it on turn three, and all they did was just fate seal me for the rest of the game? Those days were great. And realistically, we're like, looking back, we should be like, no, that was yeah. bad then, but we've just readjusted right. to it. So... I think a lot of what's happening now is that we don't have nostalgia for mm. these things yet. So, yes, do I think they push them a little hard? Yeah, straight up I do. No mm. no arguments there. But do I think it's an end-of-the-world type scenario? I think we should probably put in more sure. time to figure that out rather than just, you know, literally chicken-littling around going, the sky's more falling. more than two and a half weeks, right? Everyone run. Yeah. Right, I mean, trust me, I hate Oko more than anyone else. I literally stopped playing formats for a while, just being like, no, I I did my best. I showed up for two months. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to wait. And sure enough, the next week he was gone. Because turns out my breaking point was everyone's breaking point. But even in Legacy, I can admit, it's kind of a problem for me, but it's not, you know, reasonably outside of the bar. Is it a little good? Yeah, maybe a little. 
but it's not so good that everyone is compelled right. to do it. And right now, you are right. Everyone seems compelled to play Luris. Uh, and if it stays that way, it could be a problem. But the difference is, I think people are compelled to play Luris in a different variety of decks, and Wizards has a history of banning cards that are either straight-up too powerful, or they homogenize things. And Luris actually isn't doing that. He's played in a lot of different varieties of decks, and like Jerry said earlier, he's kind of a 3-2 lifelink, but he's not good. The The mechanic... The fact that you don't need to pay a cost for him, a deck-building cost, is what's good. I can see that. So he doesn't exactly line up with the type of cards they ban. Hmm. So I think given enough time, he may end up falling into the format in the correct place. But it is possible that, you know, maybe everyone eventually narrows it down and it's like, oh no, turns out it's just four-color Delver with this, this is the best deck. Yeah, then he's probably gone. What if they made more... What if there were more companions... For more color pairs in single colors, like do you, you know, do you think that would make things a little better? I feel that would make it worse because then we actually do just turn into like competitive yeah. EDH. I, I don't necessarily think like, that's a bad thing, actually. Not if you have rules with them. Not if the rules are good. Um, but you know, again, given a infinite time and the ability to undo mistakes, yeah, they should release all the commanders they want because then everything yeah. works fine. However, that's right. not how the world works. That just really feels a lot like I'm a firm believer that I I still to this day think Planeswalkers were a mistake for Magic. Like Magic would be a better game without Planeswalkers. And that's how I feel like Companions, like Magic would still probably be a better game without Companions. And just adding more Companions just adds Mm. more problems to it, not not smooths them out. Sure, but I believe you just acknowledge that's a personal opinion. Like. it is. Yeah. It is that, a personal That's opinion. kind of where yeah. everyone's at right now. And I agree with you on that regard. But like as far as Planeswalkers go, I, I like Planeswalkers. I like the way, what they've done to the game. I like a lot of the stuff that you have to do now that you didn't have to do before. And I know mm-hmm. that sounds strange because you don't like to have to do things. But the fact that permanents can finally compete with spells is an interesting fact where if you look... It, before those times, they just mm. didn't. They just straight up didn't. So, it. I don't think it's quite as cut and dry as these are bad for the game, as much as, man, I wish I could go back and change one line of text mm. on Luris. And I think that's where, at least I'm personally at at the moment, where I don't. I find the gameplay fun. I find the fact that he's in multiple decks good. But is it making it better in the long run? Probably not. So, we'll we'll have to see how things end up uh, going in the long run, and anyone who can predict that, well, they shouldn't be predicting magic cards. They they can pl- certainly make money well, doing well, other stuff. Well, listeners, uh, I think I think you'll all be thrilled to hear that we have solved the problem. You're welcome. Um, as yeah, as usual, if we have solved we, the problem, just don't yell at each out. other. Um, real real quick, I just have another thing that really fucking grinded my gears. Well, uh, I think I think this is actually what I was just, like, just going to attempt to segue into. Is this <laughs> like this? Just yeah, yeah. Go Are on, we talking about on. planeswalker points? Oh, dude, I feel like I was, like, on the ground clutching my nuts, <laughs> and Watsy just came over and, like, hit me Stop with a trout him. across He's the already face. already dead. Yeah. <laughs> right, like, acro- across the face, just, like, slap me with a fish across the face as as I'm, like, clutching my nuts from getting kicked by Luris. I'm, I'm actually, so, 
How are we friends? <laughs> we have different opinions on literally everything. Oh my god! I, I actually don't like Planeswalker points. I don't like that whole system. I, I mean, you know, I'm I'm about as casual of a player as it comes. But like, uh, keeping track of my Planeswalker points and it, that was never like a feature to me. That was always just a, a pain in the ass. And like having to keep track of a DCI number that was also something that I didn't really like. So I hope I can just go and register for events with my first and last name. I don't see any reason why I can't no, do that. That's not how that works, huh? You you have to download a companion app that's tied to your Magicka Arena account, and you have to register events for events through that. Yeah, yeah, Pat. You you need Arena. You need Arena to play every format now. <laughs> Not quite, but um, you need an account that you. We already have the account. A lot of us do. Uh, if you have had Arena, you've had to already link it to that account. Essentially, they're just making you have one account instead of two. Yeah, I'm fine with That's that. That's it. But Although I do... People just have a nostalgia to having like except, a DCI number. Except, I get it. I, I know my number by heart. Except all of your match history is... Like, like, the FAQ page for this announcement was a fucking joke. It's like... Yeah, I think I already saw on Twitter they went back on that. And they said, hey, we're going to host it so that people can go yeah, get there. I think that's yeah, reasonable. Like, I think, you know, the the loss of that data is probably what people were more upset about. And the fact that Wizards is like, hey, right. we'll, and we'll, that, we'll figure... We'll, yeah, like, your, your, number is, your number is a nostalgia thing. And people like showing off their OG, like... You know what I'm gonna. You know what I'm gonna DCI love is people who can't show that off anymore. They can just fuck get fucked like everyone else. Seven yeah. digits. Yeah. Seven. I'm. I'm tired. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. Oh, like, I, I think I had a four-digit fucking DCI number. <laughs> no, and I'm saying like Dude. that's that's. That's like I honestly don't care about any. It's that. just like, more. It's I, more elitism that we're getting rid of out of the game. I think that's it's, great. It's the loss. It's the loss of matchup data. Like literally, I would have. I, I would be hanging out with Josh. And we'd be talking about some tournament, and it's like, oh yeah, it's like, oh, did we play? Did we play each other in the third or fourth round? It's like, oh, well, we would actually go and we would look up and we would see a tournament from five years yeah. ago. Oh, we played in the third round. Right. Like just th- having yeah, that. That stuff should stay. Yeah. No arguments there. Like having that history is. I've just seen people be like, "I'm going to get a t- t- uh, tattoo of my DCI number," and you're like, <laughs> "You're going to look like you survived <laughs> yeah, the Holocaust." I, I saw a few people say that, and I didn't want to say anything, but that all that like, that is also the nerd. Yeah, it's like I'm going to get a random seven digit. Yeah, I'm gonna get a random seven-digit number tattooed on me. It's like I can tell you what that's gonna look like, and it is not gonna be good. Yeah, the paramedic's gonna pick you up and think it's your social or like some kind of serial number that you need to punch in the computer. And oh, this uh, is I have this done- is their DNR. This is their DNR ID. Let's just maybe that's a good thing because the there are, there are definitely several uh, deck lists that I have submitted to tournaments where I accidentally wrote my social security number instead of my DCI <laughs> number. <laughs> Like, I think there was like one event at Gaming Etc. and Ian, Ian, the head judge, just came over and goes, um, I don't think that's what you meant to write there. And I'm like, I looked at him like, nope. Oh, man, that is wonderful. It's funny. If, if you guys have been following Twitter right now to get into things, a bunch of people, the good part about this, uh, like they're condensing everything. Sure, that's all back end stuff. That's not a yep. player yeah. thing. But the good part about this is that players have been sharing the stories related to like DCI numbers and stuff like that. And a lot of people have said, hey, I won money for the first time on the Pro Tour and I filled out the form. And then I was like, I don't know my security, my social security code number, but I was able to write down my DCI number by heart. <laughs> or like at one point, Paulo said a DCI card almost cost him his ability to leave wow. the country in his thing. It's it's a story you'll have to go check it out on Paulo's Twitter or whatever, but everyone's sharing their stories about like stuff related to DCI number or their mm-hmm. match history or the first time they did this. So that is a nice like bright sunshine ray in our otherwise ash filled <laughs> world. Yeah, 
And like, don't get me wrong. Like, I'm not opposed that it's moving to an app or anything. Like, I'm not some technophobe. Like, that's not my issue with it. My issue is that like the DCI has been a stalwart of magic from the very beginning. And it has so many memories and so much nostalgia tied to it. And just like, right, but it hasn't existed for 10 years. I know. I know. That num- that those letters don't mean I anything. <laughs> and like, yes, Wizards has horribly mismanaged it over the last ten years. Like, I don't debate any of that. It's just like, like on its own, this wouldn't be a big deal. It's like, like I said, it just felt like Wizards was kicking us while we were down. It's like, hey, we're gonna fuck up all the formats, <laughs> and then also we're gonna take your nostalgia and grind it beneath our boot heel. Like that's that's what it felt like. <laughs> yeah, there there's some things. Again, I'm not a very nostalgic person, but I, I get yeah. it in this case. Uh, I'm gonna miss writing down my number on things and remembering that, like, I, it's jammed in the back of my head. It will be for the rest of the time. Yeah. There's nothing I can do about it, that. It, it also, like, this is a bit tinfoil hat conspiracy theory, but I also totally just see them doing it because, from a marketing perspective, it makes brilliant sense. But the fact that it's now tied to your arena game just gives them the ability to give out bonuses to arena like so much easier like now it's like oh come to a gp and get a free booster draft on arena and like yeah that makes that makes great sense yeah frankly that seems sweet (laughs) and i and i would be so much more on board with that if arena supported the types of magic that i want to play like i like i'm just i'm it's almost like i'm like the older sibling looking at the new baby of the family and getting pissed when they get all the gifts like i would love if they had done this for magic online and like you could get a bunch of like you play drafts right I remember you drafted for on a arena, while. Yeah, but I just don't really have, so, like, even, I, I've gone back to drafting on Magic Online. Like, I don't play Arena right, at but all. It, it's, back, it's back to players on Arena. It's the same thing. Oh, it is back to players? Straight up. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, you have eight-player drafts oh, now. okay. It's exactly like uh, leagues on okay. uh If, if Arena Magic. had Magic Online, had uh, Legacy, I, like, uh, Jerry and I played Arena. We played, like, I would the, 100, the early yeah, beta I would, at, ha- remember at Hascom we went to it, got to play, like, the... You know, I, if a, if Arena announced that they were giving like legacy support, I would drop five hundred to a thousand dollars on a, on Arena just buying cards to get together a legacy deck on Arena, like yeah. in a heartbeat, like with no questions yeah. asked. And I'd I'd I'm, sell Pat's second kidney <laughs> in order to buy. I'm not using it, so go for Arena. it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you only need one. Yeah, I don't. I'm not sure the world's ever going to no, come to legacy. Not. You know, I don't. for Arena I've because given up there's, there's so much interaction there. But at least they did say like they're working on putting on Pioneer. They're working on going backwards. So I think eventually, one day, like ten years in the future, we may have one program again. But uh, it's mm-hmm. not for a while, at least. Damn. But um, uh- I do actually like the idea of like, oh, go to a GP, get a draft. Maybe you played on Arena for enough that you get a promo that, but you can only pick mm-hmm. it up at a store. And they need to put in your in- like. There's a lot of things that you can do there to encourage both paper and digital yeah. like overlapping. Yeah, and honestly, like it got it, this is where it gets into the tinfoil hat conspiracy theory stuff. Is that it's like, man, Wizards' plans working real good. I've never wanted to play Standard over Legacy more in my life than I do right now. <laughs> like. Like, I just, I don't have any desire for legacy right now. And I'm like, well, I still like want to get my magic fix. Like, oh, maybe, you know, now that you said it, maybe I will try some drafts out mm-hmm. on arena. Yeah. Try some drafts. Like legitimately, I've been playing a lot of them and it's really weird because there, since the cards don't have uh paper value, people will pass, you know, air quote, valuable cards that aren't actually good for their deck. So it actually feels, oh, I already have four of this mythic rare. I don't need any more of it. <laughs> well, not only that, it's like, uh, if you were in a draft 
and someone were to pass you a $50 card, you'd be like, ah, do I take the $50 do you card? Take the foil or do I take the card that's good for my deck? <laughs> yeah, it's the foil Tarmogoyf thing situation. Yep. But here, because it's online and all the cards literally have the exact same value, you know, rares are equal to rares. I've been like, oh, someone passed me, uh, like, a Luris or something like that. In real life, that card's mm-hmm. like 20 bucks. That pays for the whole draft. But I looked and went, well, I'm, you know, red-green. I probably don't want this black-white card. Do you and think I think that encourages it. good drafting habits in that way? Yeah, because, you you know, your, since your cards are no longer tied to value, the only value you mm-hmm. can get is from winning. Pat, I, so Pat, it's better for you to win than for just mm-hmm. collecting all the stuff. Pat, I got damn money drafted at the Pro Tour because I knew <laughs> I knew the room. I knew the room, Pat. Jerry's like, I read so the I'm, table I'm, and I knew I was going to get my dick pushed in. So I, <laughs> I was I was in a draft with LSV, Pat. I, I fucking money drafted. Sick. Sick. <laughs> Little did you know LSV was also money drafting. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I mean, I do have... The weirdest set of cards. I have a set of uh, Pro Tour stamped Living Twisters. Because in my first draft, I got two Living Twisters. And somehow in my second draft, I got two more <laughs> Living Twisters. So I just have a set of a rare from one weekend. <laughs> I was like, I guess I should probably play Living Twister and something to show these off. Uh, that's like, uh, God, what is it? The uh, Gargantuan something. It's like a 9-7 for Suspends Red. And it's like whenever a permanent leaves the battlefield, remove a suspense. Oh, greater yeah. Gargoyle. Yes. I have like that I have like legacy wasn't greater it for a little bit. <laughs> it was seeing a little bit of legacy play, but yeah, it does do some weird uh, things. Yeah. But I, I have two playsets of that because of drafting. <laughs> well, it's when a permanent leaves the battlefield, you take a suspend a counter off it. Yeah, it's isn't there like a, that, isn't it, there a companion that blinks everything on the field or something like that? Urion. Oh man. Finding new decks, Pat. Finding That's new it. decks. I just broke the format, boys. You're welcome. Justin, you got to edit that out. Don't let that get out. That's that hot tech. <laughs> that hot, hot tech. The, the red it, card in a blue-white deck that has 80 cards it in it. It doesn't work. <laughs> it exists outside of the... F- it's not on the battlefield. Oh, well. No. You, you tried. No, but no, I'm saying, like, doesn't it blink all permanents on the battlefield? So wouldn't it... It blinks. Yeah. All so wouldn't it? Want. Wouldn't you be able to like it? Would you would take suspend counters off it for all the permanents that blinked? No, it's not on the battlefield. It's exiled. No, 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 no. I'm saying, I'm it saying, no, blink no, things I, I in exile. Maybe, maybe I'm not. Gonna... <laughs> oh, it's it's because it's not when it leaves the battlefield, Pat. It, it specifically says sacrifice, sacrifice an artifact, creature, or land, remove a time. Oh, it's sacrifice. Okay, down. okay. I thought it was when it. I thought it was when a permanent oh, leaves. Okay, the battlefield. okay. We figured I it see. out. Yeah. Well. It, and it's a nine. It's a nine seven for red suspend ten. <laughs> I have registered that in a tournament as of this year. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, let's uh, let's get into scoops and poops since I think we figured out we figured out both you know the the companion issue and how to how to properly uh, sunset the DCI program. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're we gonna get into scoops and poops, Jerry. Who's your scoop in a top eight this week? Uh, I'm going to scoop you in, Zach, because you, you've talked me off the ledge. I no longer think <laughs> the world is ending. Well, I still think the world... No, no. Jerry, <laughs> Jerry has lowered the razor from his neck just, just a few millimeters. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for that. Yeah, it's actually... You know, you know that Black Mirror episode where uh, the guy just like goes on TV with like the shard of glass to his face? That's actually how I've been recording this entire episode <laughs> with just like a razor blade. Like, yeah, I'm going to do it. <laughs> Uh, but no, like I no longer think that companions 
are just absolutely busted. I think the way you phrase it is right. Not as a, uh, you know, a card, but thinking of it as like a new pillar of the format is a better way of thinking of it. I still think Laura should definitely be banned without question. Um, but you've talked me off the, the ledge a little bit. So as always, Zach, thanks for coming on. He's and our voice our, of reason, uh, <laughs> our voice of reason. <laughs> He, yeah, well, we, he, we need he someone messaged, who's not just some old boomer. Zach messaged me two weeks ago. I was like, "Hey, you want you want me to come on sometime soon?" And I'm like, "Yeah, yeah." Messaged me like probably the same day that campaigns were announced. I think that was probably strategic. I'm like, "Oh well, you know, we got those we had a may couple have been people together for lined up, so we had to push it back two weeks." And then uh, I'm like, "You know, Jerry's freaking out, saying he's quitting Magic." I'm like, "Hey, Zach, you want to come on and save the podcast again, please?" <laughs> I know it's not that I want to quit Magic. It's just that I just don't have a desire to play hey, legacy listen right man now. you've been stuck inside your house all you're doing is getting food through grubhub you've seen your cast iron pan rot away again like you can't help it you've been stuck <laughs> in your home should i set up a time lapse of my cast iron pan rusting away do you think that should be a patreon reward <laughs> just slowly i dissolving. think actually we should just raffle off your old cast iron pans that are beyond use <laughs> um all right who's your poop in a, who's your poop this week jerry do you have any uh, Loris. Loris. Okay. It needs to go. Like, ban that shit. Low-hanging fruit. <laughs> How about you, Zach? Who are you scooping in the top eight this week? Um, so, basically, just all my magic friends. Uh, I've been spending all the nights on Discord right now, hanging out with people, because we can't go out and do things. Uh, and then, like, the obvious ones that I still feel like I have to say, like, all the people who are out there, you know, front lines working on this stuff right now, they, they're not getting the respect they deserve, and they certainly won't when this is done, so don't forget mm-hmm. them then. Absolutely. That's my big deal about this is, you know, when everything's better, hopefully those people are treated a bit better. Agreed. Agreed. Um, yeah. Any poops? Um, mostly Luris. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, uh, no, it, right now it's just... Uh, no need for any more negativity in the world, except you know, if someone tells you to inject bleach in yourself or something, you should probably yell at Have that. I've seen guy. all the uh, companies that are uh, saying, "Please don't do this." Yeah, <laughs> for the love of God, don't do that. Uh, I did. Well, how do you think that guy at Clorox felt who had to make a public announcement? Please don't drink bleach. Well, no. See, like uh, the poison control came out and said that calls in like spiked afterwards. But what they didn't mention is that that also coincided with uh, companions coming out. So I think that was actually <laughs> the real reason why everyone was drinking bleach. <laughs> Wonderful. You know, that that was at least a good enough joke. I'm, I'm in. Not sure. <laughs> <gasps> Wonderful. Um, all right. Well, I'm gonna scoop in. I'm gonna scoop you guys in the top eight. Thanks so much for uh, for coming on, Zach. It's always a pleasure to have you here. Uh, we love we love talking to you, and you're you're a pillar of the local community, and we, we really appreciate you. So thank you for coming on, man. Yeah, no problem. I look forward to the next open whenever know, we're allowed know, out to the real I know. world. I, I didn't even mention we're getting bubble boy. I didn't suits. even mention the top of the show because even though we're scheduled for June six, who knows if that's even feasible at this point? So yeah, if we don't we yeah. don't know. But when it happens, I'm sure we're going to have a uh, oh, large it's gonna crowd. It's going to be great. Uh, right now, yeah, it, everyone's willing. I'm going to have to double queue done. where I'm where I'm calling the the games and also playing at the same time. I want to be so excited to go out to go out and see people. So yeah, it'll be a good time when all this is over. For sure, for sure. And uh, for poops, um, I'm just going to poop on the person who threatened my wife at work tonight because that's a shitty thing to do. So. Uh, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. She asked someone to wear a mask when they walked in, and, and the person like was a real shitty person to her. So, uh, an old lady yelled at me at the store for the same reason. Unbelievable. She was walking down the aisle the wrong way, despite all the right. signs saying, "Please do not walk down this aisle." Oh, man, that grinds my gears. Unreal. 
That grinds my gears. Actually, yeah, I want to. Can I add that to my poop? <laughs> yeah, I went fucking. I went food shopping the other day. Got my mask. Got my gloves. Following the line, and all of a sudden, like barreling down is this like probably like fifty five year old guy in like khaki shorts and a wife beater without a mask, just coming down the wrong way, just like coughing without covering his mouth. Like I was just like, dude, what's wrong with you? Are you yeah, what's yeah, wrong with you? What What are you doing with your life? Your Your soon to be short life. <laughs> Read the room, man. Read yeah. The room. <laughs> yeah, it's been uh, it's been interesting, actually. Uh, I think I think the the rule now is you have to have a mask uh, in public and in, in public spaces, basically outside outside your home, right? So in stores, uh, there's and- no official rule. There is a heavily suggested. Okay. Every every place that I've been to, all the towns I've been in, have had that as part of like the rules from the actual towns themselves. So yeah, uh, towns indivi- some towns individually yeah. have those things, Which, but as far as like the country or Massachusetts or whatever, it's, it, it makes sense. It's a heavy suggestion. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, have a, have a face mask or, or like put your, sh- I think even putting your shirt over your nose and mouth is probably going to qualify. It's, you for it's that, so. it just does do something. It's equivalent yeah. to playing. It's equivalent to playing Luris. You know, you don't have to play Luris. You're just heavily suggesting. It's the right, th- it's, it's probably the right thing. It's to probably do. the okay. right thing to do. See, <laughs> The, the, I gave you the credit on the one before. I have to take it away with this one. There is, there is going to be a time. It's weird, though, right? Because I went into the liquor store yesterday to get some Baileys, and I went in with a mask on. And, and you know, if someone's going to rob a liquor store, it's probably not going to be someone who looks like me and is, like, in his mid-30s. Dude, like, it's just not going to happen. Banker? I'm not, I'm not buck wild like that, like, when I was a kid. <laughs> but there's going to be a time when, like, you're not, like, right now it's okay to walk into a store with a mask on, it, which six months ago... Not cool, right? Like he, not <laughs> yeah. cool. Like that guy would tell you to like take the mask off or get out of his store. Uh, I wonder if there's ever going to be a time where like that's considered not acceptable again. Not wearing a mask. I don't. In a store. I don't think so. I've been talking to uh, no. bankers, and they honestly don't know what they're going to do when things reopen because. Wearing a mask in a bank is not usually a very cool thing to do. Um, yeah. So bankers are having yeah. a really hard time figuring out, like, how do we keep people safe but also keep the bank safe? Oh, yes, Jerry. Let's let's make sure we keep the bank safe. Got to protect just, that money. Let's just, show, let's just show people your fucking true colors, oh, Jerry. Oh, my God. Let's keep the bank safe, boys. <laughs> I'm worried about the banks today. I'm actually worried about the essential employees who get shot in a robbery gone wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Also, yeah. my stock investment. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and also my gold bullion service is stored in my lockbox <laughs> in the bank. Bank, awesome. bank, bank. I love awesome. Bank. <laughs> well, this is... Sir, I would be surprised, but my monocle would fall <laughs> Jerry's the guy wearing two monocles, by the way. Just FYI, just oh, to show man. how much better he is than the rest of us. This is why people on the Facebook group are so conflicted about our political leanings, bad because we just... <laughs> Fly up and down the spectrums every episode. Well, I think I think when when Ian referred to you as a champagne socialist, he got it right. I'm just saying. I think he nailed it there. Meanwhile, I legitimately looked in a building again, so I know where I'm at in life. I've actually twelve hundred dollars. Uh, twelve hundred dollars. I've built a guillotine. I think you can do it cheaper. I've built them, and they're not hard to make. So no. <laughs> um, awesome. All right. Well, Zach, thank you again for coming on, man. It was great to have you. Uh, where can people find you, man? Are you streaming at all now? Or I mean, I know you're on Twitter. Drop your handle there for him. Um, I haven't been streaming. I've been thinking about it. I set everything up to do it, and then all this stuff happened, and I've just been hanging out with friends at night because of that, and because frankly, there's a little oversaturation on streaming right now because everyone's at home. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you can find me at the Amazing Zach with underscores on Twitter. Uh, you can find me at on Facebook and Zach Turgeon. 
you know, you can find me trapped in my house like everyone else. <laughs> but please, please basically, don't if you just search my name out there, there's only me and some painter, and it's pretty easy to figure out which which. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Uh. I, I, I had a follow-up for that, and I just completely spaced on what it was. Just so spaced yep, on yep. it. Yep, it's okay. You know, I was going to say, like, it looks like you and I are in similar little style, second floor I love of, this. Cape, it, of it, cape rooms. I wish our yeah, viewers at home. Because we have, like, the exact same uh, <laughs> roof just line behind us. Yeah, yeah I, I, I wish our, our listeners at home could see this, because it's been great for me, because it looks like Zach and Pat are just sitting in the same room on, like, different <laughs> ends. Because, like, the roof lines, like, the paint is the same color, and the roof lines, like, line up yeah. perfectly with the camera shot. Yeah, it's <laughs> like, actually. That's nice. It's actually pretty great. <laughs> it, it, I feel like you guys just didn't invite me to come hang out with you. That's what it feels like. That's what we heard. We heard you were in public the other day, Jerry, with someone who didn't have a mask on. So we don't we don't trust you. Social distancing, Jerry. Yeah. We just got to keep six we're, feet. We're apart. socially distancing you. Man, people have been telling that my whole life. It's just now the rest of the world's been doing it. All right. So you can follow follow Zach where he said. Uh, follow podcast at LALMTG. Follow the uh, follow Jerry at JME. E3RD. Follow me at Pat Uglo. The stream is twitch.tv slash Leaving Legacy. Also want to shout out the Legacy Pit that I had both Jerry and I on in the past few weeks. Uh, if you haven't seen them, they're, they're twitch.tv slash the Legacy Pit. Um, follow the show. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook. Join the Facebook group there. You can find us on Patreon, which is patreon.com slash Leaving Legacy. And of course, as always, a special shout out to Justin Lutz. He's our audio tech our sound engineer, um, and also Jerry's personal head shaver. Yeah. Which uh, is nice. Also, he is, in fact, a companion. Yeah. Yeah, he's 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 the hidden companion. He's not in every booster pack, but... Uh, oh. Yeah, his, his deck Secret building, level. <laughs> yeah, his deck building restriction is that you have to read your deck off uh, into a microphone recorder before presenting it for every match. Seems... That doesn't seem too bad. Yeah, it's not too bad. It's not too bad. Just go to time. I don't have the. I don't have the hard time. It's it's not very good. That's why it hasn't been seeing much play. But uh, of course, he got it. He got his own companion card. Good for him. Strong yeah. beard on that guy. So yeah, he's good in our book. All right. Well, thanks everyone for hanging out this week. Uh, we hope you guys stay safe and sane at home. Like we said, wear your masks in public. Uh, even when it, you know, even when you're you're alone, you should wear you wear your mask at home when you're sleeping. <laughs> Just get used to having it on your face. It's good to have. Uh, I don't think no. I think that makes us liable, Pat. I don't think we can say that. <laughs> I don't think we can say. Wear that. your mask. Wear your top and bottom mask at all times. All right, guys. Thanks it's for coming on. Top and bottom. And I will catch you all next week. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.